0: You may not believe it, but on this day in 1492, Christopher Columbus reached the Caribbean, uh, believing he had reached the Indies, and uh, a lot of other historical things happened on this date. Uh, Whenever we talk about history, you can't have that conversation without including Brian Kilmeade. He is the author of multiple New York Times history bestsellers. He has a way of telling stories about history that makes them eminently captivating and readable and he may even have a future in broadcasting as well because he's heard about six hours a day between radio and TV that's just during the week very pleased uh, to welcome Brian Kilmead back to the program hello Brian uh what's going on Frank? Uh well, you know, quite a bit. Quite a bit. I mean, uh you guys have been doing a, a tremendous job covering this uh this Israel Hamas war. How do you see this uh this playing out in the short term, Brian? Um in the short
1: term. In the short term, I think will be everyone most people will be firmly behind Israel. And then after a couple of weeks, yeah, but well, you know, Israel's a little heavy handed. You know, now we we're gonna see, well, you know, not everyone in Gaza was against them and you know that building had a guy you know, had some Hamas fighters in, but they also had innocent people in it. So, you know, shouldn't they be negotiating? And I, I see the thing winding down. The Americans, uh the rest of the world is worse and but so are we. Uh we lose interest. We lose interest in Iraq, lose in Afghanistan. Well we gotta get out of there. I'm kinda tired of that. You know, really not into the Ukraine, you know, that Ukraine should have won by now. So we're going to move on from that. And I think it would be uh, horrific when we do it. It's going to be unacceptable. But Israel persevered through. They can no longer live and coexist with Hamas. They made that clear. They they were giving signals that they wanted to coexist, giving signals that there wouldn't be any major resistance. And Israel, with all their sophistication, uh, bought it. So, how could you possibly allow Hamas to even have a presence in Gaza? You can't. So, the answer is you have to take them out. Well, how? I'm going to have to roll into the most dense city in the world, perhaps, and hunt through tunnels and through buildings for the people that were responsible for this horrific attack, worse since the Holocaust. And the rest of the world cannot wait to be horrified. By Israel's retribution. And I think that's when people got to hold on tight and say there's good guys and bad guys. And the only way to get rid of the bad guys is to kill them. And they don't care about human life. And they will use people as human shields. And I think the time to hold back, negotiate, think about it is over. And that's just that's the nature of it. And the people that are sitting back laughing right now are are Iran. And unless we start turning the screws to them, Us, in the
0: U.S., that means we've learned nothing. You know, Biden is in an interesting position. Uh, Last week, we were talking about the differences in the Republican Congressional Caucus over Ukraine funding. And uh, the Scalise and Jordan were trying to play to that constituency. And we talked about the challenges of where that might lead the speaker's race. Biden is presiding over a party that is increasingly... More sympathetic with the Palestinians. Uh, Earlier this year, uh, Gallup reported on uh, a a pretty important milestone in terms of public opinion. After a decade in which Democrats have shown more affinity towards the Palestinians, their sympathies in the Middle East now lie more with the Palestinians than the Israelis. 49% versus 38%. Now, Biden has been defying that trend for years. Now he has to kind of rally support from his own party against uh, a lot of these skeptics within his own party the same way that some of these Republicans have been trying to do that on Ukraine. How do you think he's going to kind of navigate that tightrope, Brian?
1: Um, You lead, and if people don't come, it's on them. You know, if if, uh, you do the right thing and people don't see it that way, that's why you're president. You know, this is your time. Uh, There's people in his Democratic Party to be called out. I can't believe it. But KJP actually went out of her way to call out members of a party saying there's no two sides to this. Uh, The president said that. I expect him to, of course, back out of that. He's not consistent with anything. But here's how proud. And this is sarcasm. You should be in New York. Hunter College is having a rally for Palestine. Oh, fantastic. Today. NYU's got a rally today at 6 o'clock for Palestinian resistance and making it persist. Oh, and then Columbia also in New York, according to reports, a call to action for Palestine at the Columbia University Library. So that's the type of attitude we have in this country. And I, I hosted for Jesse last night, and we have Batyonga Sargon on and, and she says that when you see Talib, when you see Corey Bush, uh, when you see idiots like Bernie Sanders, who's Jewish, by the way, came out and condemn what he says are war crimes of Israel—an offensive that hasn't even started—he thinks it's the it's the end of the the woke mania because you're seeing backlash at Harvard. You saw backlash at NYU. This these uh, the law school um, a student leader uh, got a job rescinded after he came out for mm-hmm. Hamas. So I I think I think so, too. I mean, we're, we're seeing it. The recalibration after the actor strike, which is really not over yet, but about to be, you know, these people looking around going, what the hell are we doing? You know, what were we doing? Because everything they tried to do to non cool people that were in Hollywood and the famous and the people that were rich and they knew more than us, it all blew up in their face. And I think that when you come out and say, Yeah, well these Palestinians, they really need Gaza strip, they there really shouldn't have been that type of security. Eighteen thousand people going back and forth every day. You know, they they take the seven the millions of dollars and they put it to weapons instead of um, to building up Gaza and making it this beautiful city of the Mediterranean. And, you know, we're tired everyone's tired of the debate and taking their side. And when you go in and you target children 5-year-olds and 6-year-olds and the ones you don't kill you capture and then you want to say well listen they just haven't had an easy time of it in gaza they have you know it's it's not been good as leader after leader turns down deal after deal so we need to chop the heads off 4-year-olds so i i mean to me this is the this is the end this is the end of that i hope Uno.
0: he's your numero uno uh in fairness though bernie sanders while he did decry the uh you know cutting off the food and the energy and everything to gaza he did say that the u.s was right in uh offering their support and the aid to israel into these uh, hamas uh, attacks but uh, see, uh, your Frank, that, well taken. That, that's
1: right but where is the this is the most horrific crime ever against mm-hmm. my people the jewish people who have been oppressed for thousands of years. I mean, what about a line like that?
0: Yeah, uh, that is uh, that does not appear to be uh, for forthcoming yeah. in, at, all, at all. You're right about that. Hey, I was talking to Noam before about what they're doing in Israel with respect to this uh, unity government. There was some speculation that they may pursue a similar course of action with respect to the House of Representatives. Now that... Uh Scalise is the Republican nominee for Speaker of the House. A number of Republicans have indicated they're not going to support him uh, when the vote goes for a full floor vote. You know how narrow this majority is. He can only lose a couple of votes. Do you think there's a scenario in which there could be this bipartisan unity speaker?
1: I, I can't you know I, I I could not believe what I was seeing last night. I, I could not believe it. After a week in which they embarrassed themselves, led by Matt Gates, who is the only person that I know for sure I would never follow anywhere. <laughs> so they they, get, they sent their only power base into chaos, made a mockery of themselves, embarrassed Kevin McCarthy, but which it's really the Republican Party should be embarrassed. You would think after a week of, uh, of hearing the backlash of, of those eight, not of the 210 of the eight. I mean, 210 people, it was, we went over last week. Right, 96%. people, yeah, said, we're doing a good job. Great. So, Ian, uh, yeah, for you, you have 98%. The only person who does not like you is Sid. <laughs> so you're that's 99% for Frank Marano. So they come out and they say, okay, we got two candidates. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And we're going to go behind closed doors. I'm like, that is so smart. And we're going to let them talk. Great. We're going to turn around Brett bear. I feel bad for my network, but it's probably good news for the country. And we're not going to have the debate in public. We're just going to do it behind closed doors. And if you lose, support the other. And they went at it. And they go, okay, Steve Scalise wins. Jim Jordan says, Steve Scalise, if anyone who supported me, supports Steve Scalise. And then uh, Nancy Mace comes out and goes, yeah, 20 years ago, Steve Scalise went to a rally he shouldn't have. 21 years ago. 21 years ago. Sorry, I stand corrected. Uh, And then uh, (laughs) Chip Roy. Uh, Bolbert goes. I want somebody who kisses ass like, a kicks ass like Chip Roy. I'm voting for him. Really? Okay. Uh, and then we have uh, Congressman Good. He says, um, "This is uh, Chip Roy." Says, "I'm not voting for anybody. It's too rushed." Really? <laughs> okay. Congressman Good. Uh, I think uh, Steve Scalise is more of the same. I'm voting for Jim Jordan. I I have never seen most the bigger idiots in my life who have no idea how to how to work in a place that they ran to work in. Does anyone look at the rules? Does anyone understand what it takes? I mean, there's a reason why no one's ever done it like this, because it's wrong. So Republicans are telling the American people, whatever you do, do not put us in power here next year, because clearly we can't handle it. And, and that's why... Uh, these congressmen in New York that were successful have to look around and go, "Is someone trying to destroy my career?"
0: Well, you and know, the answer is yes. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned a bunch of these congressmen, but there's a, a bunch of others that are also not on board with Scalise, Max Miller, Lauren Boebert, uh, uh, Barry Moore, Victoria Spartz, and apparently the number that is not committing to supporting. Um, Scalise, when this comes for a full floor vote, is greater than the eight that oppose McCarthy. So, I mean, do you think we're going to be in one of these situations where there's 15 floor votes again before a speaker emerges? Frank, I,
1: I am, I'm happy. I, I just, I mean, I'm befuddled. I, I think they're going to embarrass themselves again. And I don't, do you hear, like, I watched these guys. We rolled the sound bites last night. You just named four I didn't see. So that's great. Thank you for that. But do you think anyone's going to change? I mean, did you have you have we even had the Matt Rosendale, that knucklehead? Mm. Uh, the, give me, he he just doesn't want to do anything. He prayed, he prayed for a non-red wave. That's what God was was uh, dealing with uh, last year in November. He had a prayer for Matt Rosendale that they'd only have a slight advantage in the House. In order so he could get additional power. So do you think he cares about 15 or 20 rounds of votes? No. I mean, can anyone care about the country? The place you work at? place you work at? your par- I'm going to ask this. The country? That's too much to ask. Uh, the House? That's too much to ask. Well, what about your party? Mm-hmm. Is that too much to ask?
0: Uh, it would I'm, appear I'm totally
1: flabbergasted. yeah
0: it would appear that's the case. Uh, you had a terrific interview on uh, radio with uh, with Brett Baer that I uh, that I got to hear. also uh, really uh, great stuff with uh, Gerard Baker. W- what's coming up on radio and TV today, Brent? well um, thanks for asking I got Trump.
1: Uh, I stayed Donald late, Trump. yeah I was there yeah four yes. o'clock. we I interviewed him for a half hour straight. Uh, you have not. No one's heard this before. I'm going to run a clip on Fox and Friends. I ran a clip last night on Jesse's show and you'll hear him for a half hour. And I think when we, you'll be, be surprised by his take in Israel uh, as as a lot of things are coming his way. Uh, you know, forget about the court cases for a second. If you're listening right now and you, if you are somewhat if, if you are somewhat open, independent or you're not just you get up every day hating Trump. You have to look at his policies, and it is almost amazing how much that he lo- how much better he looks almost every day, uh, and how much better off we were. And I don't agree with him on everything. We went sure, over that, right. and who cares if Brian agrees? But it doesn't matter. Like his tough policies, the guy that was so crazy seems to have great instincts in the most complex portion on the planet. That's the Middle East, and. He he tackles that, and we also tackled the the speakers race. How he you know he he won for Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise. What he says about that, I think you'll find interesting. But um, he's feeling good. I I ran through the Real Clear polls. He's up in the overall average. He just there's a poll that came out. Emerson leans left. He's up by nine on Biden in Pennsylvania. So these are, these are polls. It's no longer like hey Mr. President, where'd you get that poll? You know he just throws polls. I go when I'm looking up preparing for this interview. Uh, you just saw me's up in Michigan. The polls have never do you realize uh that his polling has never been stronger even in 2015 when 2016 when he won than they are right now.
0: Wow. Uh, That is wild. Exclusive interview with uh, President Trump and Brian Kilmeade. Uh, That's going to be that's going to be really interesting. Brian, um, Hey, let me end with this. So you talk about the presidential race and the role of independence. I noticed that uh, since Robert F. Kennedy Jr. announced he's running as an independent rather than a Democrat, a lot of the kind of, um, you know, right of center media, which was very encouraging to Robert F. Kennedy when he was kind of a nuisance to Joe Biden. All of a sudden, they're much less encouraging now that people are raising the prospect that he might be a general election threat to Trump. I I think a lot of folks think that uh, Hannity on Fox News was uh, personifying that kind of shift in terms of a more hostile level of media coverage of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Did you get the sense that Trump is worried about Kennedy, or did did that come up in your interview?
1: Yes, um, I did. I I did focus on that. (laughs) And... He's ready. You know, if you, you just know, but one thing about Trump, uh, his opposition research, he <laughs> retains it. He ran through like nine or ten things in New York. Uh, how he, he said he destroyed Cuomo and he went over details of pipelines that he banned and uh, fracking that never happened, jobs that didn't come. Uh, he's ready for RFK. Uh, so you uh, saw the same poll, that 45% of Republicans have a positive view of RFK
0: and only 13% of Democrats. Uh, that sunk in with him. I bet. I bet. Hey, uh, Brian, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you, as always. Go get him, Frank. All right. 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame. Straight ahead.
1: The Other Side at Midnight.